campl.ca newsroom for this weekend. Marty Thompson, Charlie O'Connor Clark, Benedict Rhodes, and Brady Reed post Canada Honduras. Canada won, Honduras won the first game of the final round of 2022 World Cup qualifying. Canada's first soiree, really, in, in, the, in, the, in the last round for over 20 years. It happened at BMO Field last night. Charlie, Ben, you guys were there. Well, we're going to get into that in a bit. But first, we have to do an opening question. Uh, Christian's not here. We're going to have a bit of fun. In honor of Alexander Lopez being stretchered off after scoring the penalty against Honduras, or, or sorry, against Canada, what's the lamest, like most embarrassing injury you've ever received? No, no knock on Alexander. That was a great penalty, but just not the best way you want to leave the game. Charlie? No knock on him? Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I think I'll go with I'll go with the time that I uh, I just absolutely somehow mangled my Achilles in a rugby game, not even like on the ball, just ran backwards too much, stepped on it weird. And, and all of a sudden I had to collapse because my Achilles just did not want to bend anymore. So that was, that was a tough one. Brady. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, once playing in a, in a soccer baseball, like kickball from it in the outfield and a foul ball went over the fence. And I thought I'd be the, the guy to go retrieve it and, I didn't stick the landing and tore all my ligaments and, and, and missed the, the rest of the soccer season. So me and my coach were on bad terms after that one. I've retired from soccer baseball since. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you got that in soccer baseball? Benedict. Yeah, I have a boring answer here because I've never really had a serious injury like that, but maybe just getting like clocked in the face a couple times <laughs> playing soccer maybe. Like, I don't know, nothing too serious. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, like, nothing as serious as being stretchered off after scoring a goal. Really felt bad for 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 Lopez on that play. Um, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about this game. Not 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 some of the nonsense. So Canada draws Honduras in in this opening game at BMO Field in Toronto. We'll start with maybe the occasion first. Charlie and Ben, as we mentioned, you guys were there in the stands. Um, before we get into the results, what happened uh, between the lines, this was a special night for, for the men's national team, right? First time in the final round and, uh, since the 1998 cycle and, and the first home game uh, at home in almost two years. Uh, Charlie, can you give us maybe just a bit of what the atmosphere was like at BMO Field last night? Yeah, the atmosphere was really good, to be honest. And I know that I know that obviously BMO Field's not allowed to sell its whole capacity just yet because of COVID restrictions. So I think there were probably about 15,000 people there, but it was a loud 15,000. It was very, very loud. And you could tell, you know, whenever, whenever Canada started coming up, every time, for example, Alfonso Davies got the ball, because I think he's probably the name that even the casuals and, and people coming after their first game, he's a name that everybody would recognize. Uh, you could hear the energy pick up. Um, there, there were. To be fair, there, there was a pretty good contingent of of Hondurans there as well, and they were also very loud. So it made for you know kind of a fun back and forth in the in the stands. And you know when Honduras scored their goal, you could hear you could hear them their their cheers. You know almost on par with the very very vociferous boos that were <laughs> raining down on the referee. Um, but yeah, it was it was really really nice to just see that atmosphere back and. I used to feel that energy and you, you did feel, you know, like you felt like the crowd knew what was at stake and knew kind of what was going on. It felt like an intelligent crowd. It felt like, you know, a crowd that, that was here to, you know, watch Canada 
try and qualify for a world cup world cup they're not out for a for a night out they're here to watch this team and it was uh you know a, a very very fun energy in that stadium and and you know it's a pity that they weren't rewarded more than once yeah it, benedict it really felt like the crowd sort of matched the moment for this men's national team right yeah definitely i think uh you felt as maybe the fans were sort of willing trying to will in a, a winner after they found the back of the net kyle aaron and uh, every like, uh, Charlie said, every time Canada had the ball, it seemed like fans were going nuts. I was in the stand where it was especially loud, I think. Um, and but there's also, like Charlie said, a lot of Hondurans there. Like, I, I almost want to say there was maybe more blue than red for this. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great atmosphere from both sides of, uh, of fans. It didn't sound like there'd be more blue than red on, on the broadcast for Brady <laughs> and I watching on One Soccer <laughs> and on Roger Sportsnet last night. Let's talk about the game overall. I think we're going to spend quite a bit of time um, dissecting uh, what happened on the field last night. Brady, we'll, we'll switch to you. You were our correspondent for this game doing the match analysis, which was great on the website. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the, the tactics in a moment, but just your overall thoughts on, on Canada's performance in a game that, look, I mean, coming in, confidence was pretty high. Anyone who listened to the on the pitch this week with Christian Jack, whether it be through Richie Larea, Alistair Johnson, all these players were, were pretty confident going into this game. And I think maybe ultimately it was, it was a, it was a reminder that this final round of, of world cup qualifying and CONCACAF is going to be difficult, but that all being said, how did you rip Brady? Yeah, I mean, like you said, obviously confidence was high coming into this. I think you could see that based on the 11 they picked. It was a very attacking team. It was a team that was out to get as many of their, you know, pacey and kind of direct players on the field at once. And I think we've seen mixed results as a result of that. And and I think, you know, it's easy to criticize, you know, the formation, the selection from John Herbman, maybe, you know, the approach, the the nerves of the Canadian players. But I think Honduras deserve a lot of credit for the way that they, they were set up and they were organized and and quite frankly experienced, you know, like this is just a, like this is a country that somehow every year, no matter how many flashy players, you know, Canada, U.S., Mexico have, they're, they're in it, right? They're always in it at the end. And whether they're actually qualifying for the World Cup, they're testing these teams home and away. And so... I think maybe just, you know, for a lot of Canadian fans, we don't know too much about this hundred roster, save for the guys that play MLS and that sort of thing. So there was an element of surprise of that way. And and once Canada set up in a, a formation, like you said, we can get into that. It was a little bit hard to honestly follow and obviously a little bit hard to execute too. It was, it made for a little bit of a shaky start, but I thought it, it was, as John Herman said, a tale of two halves and they really showed at least some of their potential in the, in the closing 45. Canada has played Honduras in the last four World Cup qualifying mm -hmm. cycles. This one now the fifth. Uh, Charlie, we'll switch to you here. Plenty of scoring chances in this game, frankly. And and, and the chances generated, they, the sure, they weren't clear cut, but Canada was always knocking on the door. I think about Jonathan David's chance at the near post. Even Richie Ray at the end there uh, on a similar play. What did you make of how Canada was going forward in the second half after they started to click? Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of exactly it and it really does bother me that Canada couldn't find that goal from open play because yeah in, the, in that second half they really started to put it together they started to you know figure it out I, I felt that they were getting a little bit found out at times because they were they were trying a lot of the same things with 
you know, it'd be Alfonso Davies running down the left wing and, and looking for the cutback. And I think almost every time it turned into a corner, which is, is good. And that's, that's a set piece opportunity, but you know, the, the Honda and defender always seem to be in position to stop it from getting set to a guy at the top of the box. And I, I might've, I don't know, might maybe like to see Canada, maybe try and work it through the middle a little bit or something like that, which they didn't really try to do all that much in this game. But yeah, you know, you can't really, you can't really say anything other than, than they had their chances and they did look, look good going forward or at least positive with the ball. And they were, were really trying to get at Honduras and, and certainly, certainly Honduras felt like they're on the back foot and, you know, they, they tried to, to slow things down in that sort of sense. So, you know, it's definitely frustrating for Canada that they couldn't find that, that extra ball, that, that final little touch to score the goal. Um, probably should have. And I think a couple of those chances, they'll be looking back at them and really, really being frustrated that they didn't end up in the net. But, you know, there, there's certainly elements to this game of that Canada attack that we have seen be very successful in recent months. Brady, you touched on the <clears throat> the initial lineup that John Herman had fielded, which was <clears throat> not exactly accurate to what we predicted on this uh, very podcast, but it uh, doesn't matter. 4-4-2 kind of, and it eventually molded into what we honestly expected with the back three. Can you walk us through, as you said, it was difficult to follow. Could you walk us through um, the tactics in this game and then, frankly, what worked and, and what didn't work for Canada? Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, Buchanan gets hooked at the half and then Junior Hoylet comes in. And that wasn't necessarily the reason that things got better, but I think overall this it was – it was a complete tactical adjustment, as you said. And Boylet's a very different player than Buchanan. Buchanan's got you know, obviously a tremendous amount of pace, very direct. Whereas Junior's a little bit more of a dribbler. He likes to slow things down. And I think maybe they were missing that a little bit in, in the first half, particularly in central areas. And so you know, it was pretty clear that they thought they wanted to get Lorea advanced and get Lorea advanced in central areas to to kind of give Davies some some ability to operate on the left. And I thought Oliver Platt made a great point on one soccer when he said, they weren't really getting Davies in the right areas. When he when he was able to get one on one, of course he's going to beat guys. I think he's going to beat just about anybody when he when he gets to those opportunities. But we weren't finding him in stride, and that was that was the case with Lorea, and obviously that's his strength. That was the case with Buchanan. They're they're very similar players to an extent, and so I think the element of just something different in Hoyalette was was obviously good. But I think you know to a degree this game was probably screaming out for a Mark Anthony K or, or maybe a Jonathan Osorio in the middle of the park and. I don't know why they decided Lorea in that central area was how they wanted to exploit Honduras. Maybe they thought they'd be able to get them in transition a little bit more. But I, I think you know it, one of the one of the small, I guess, moral victories is you have another game in in two days now from the time of recording, and you have Jonathan Osorio and Mark Anthony coming in very fresh. So that's that's something to to kind of say. Yes, it's two drop points, but that's two major players that are going to be ready to go in in Nashville. Ben. Fans walking away from BMO Field or turning off their television last night, maybe a bit of disappointment. What do you think the average fan, along with John Herman at this point, frankly, has learned about this Canadian men's national team through this game that we can look for in the next 13 games in this, in this final stage? Yeah, I think uh, even though the result maybe didn't go their way, I think they showed that they can go toe-to-toe with the best teams in CONCACAF, and I think that's that's important. Uh, I think they'll see, they said they, they maybe should have won this game. And I think that's also going to take away is if they start finishing their chances, they, they'll start to beat these teams and, and pick up some big needed points. And 
Uh, obviously, they would like that for that to start last night, but I think uh, a draw is still a good result and something to build on going into future games as well. On a scale of 1 to 10, Atiba and Steven Estacchio midfield. Charlie. Scale of 1 to 10? <laughs> 10, being, <sighs> 10 being the best that Canada's midfield has played in the last uh, 24 months. Well, they didn't really play together with the ball that much, to be honest. So maybe like a like a six. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm 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 honestly quite frustrated um, with the way that game sort of went down. And I think I think it is a very good pairing. And I actually thought uh, Stefan Estaki was quite good in this game. Um, and, and, and he was, you know, he covered tons of ground. He always seemed to be there when Canada had the ball. You could always, he was always in frame. I mean, I didn't see it on a TV, so everybody was in frame for me, but he just always seemed to be in the area where, you know, all, all the action was, but I felt like in ter- if, if you're talking about, you know, Eustachio and, and Atiba Hutchinson being that sort of double pivot, I don't think that they really were, you know, kind of kind of playing in the same sort of in the same sort of roles. I, and then it was a little weird for me at times when Eustachio was actually playing as the deeper midfielder. It felt like it felt like sometimes Eustachio was the one that was sitting back more in front of the in front of the back four and and looking to to pick up those balls and play out of the back. Whereas whereas Atiba was sort of more in the middle of things and he seemed to be the guy that was trying to, you know, just stop Honduras in transition and, and win the balls back a little bit more often. But I would have maybe liked to see them, you know, play off each other a little bit more and and play as that that sort of double pivot. Um I think yeah, we I think Brady mentioned it absolutely this game was crying out for Mark Anthony K. Uh and maybe it's it's a situation of you have to play the long game and you know he'll be available for that US game. But uh yeah I I think both players individually, Eustachio and Hutchinson, had pretty reasonably strong games, but I'm not sure necessarily that you know that that they were they that they definitely don't have that chemistry yet, absolutely, because they haven't played together all that much. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they were maybe maybe just trying to do some some different things that that maybe weren't linking up well with one another. Uh, ben, scale of one to ten. Six point five, maybe seven. Like again, like Charlie <laughs> said, like they were, they were, they were good. They were good individually, but I'm not sure if they were the strongest possible duo. If that makes sense, like that's a lot to be desired as as a partnership. I think. And Brady, I'll get a rating from you. Charlie just talked about how sort of frustrating this game was at times, and you touched on it there. Getting the ball up through the middle was maybe the most frustrating part. Yeah. Yeah, it really was that transitional areas. I thought. That, that lit them down and he kind of hindered them from making the most of the likes of Davies and Buchanan and Lorea's pace. Um, and and uh, Charlie doesn't have the benefit that I do of having seen the, the post-game analysis of one soccer. I'll steal another term from, from Christian. He works here, so I can, I, I can do this. He's double A. You can do that. I mean, he's not, he's physically not here. So it wouldn't be like, you're just like lifting something he had just said. Yeah. I mean, I'll get permission after I'll, I'll, I'll source my, my quotes, but you know, balance was a word that he used several times afterwards. And it was maybe something that Canada lacked on the day. Eustachio and, and Hutchinson, both, both great players and both played decent. I thought actually I gave Alistair Johnson the man of the match, but if, if not for him, it probably would have been Eustachio. Um, 
but maybe too similar at times. Like both guys who like to sit deeper and, and like, you know, John, Alistair Johnson likened himself to Aspilicueta when he spoke with KJ earlier this week. I think if we want to stick with Chelsea, like you say, is kind of that Conte player for Canada, right? Putting yeah. out fires, but still as like a motor of a number eight, as Charlie alluded to, maybe he's that guy who is a little bit higher up and, and puts out that initial kind of wave of attack. And, and then from there, I think they would have just benefited so much from having a third body, be that Osorio or Kay. But I just personally like the idea of Mark Anthony Kay. I think his his passing range is, is something that we don't have a ton of on this team. But I think six six is fair. I'll go with six. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to 6.25, I think. No, actually, it would be, be closer to like 6.18, 6. something like that. But we, we, won't, we won't do the numbers. We're not that good at numbers. Uh, no. Alistair Johnson. We've got to talk about yeah. that. Uh, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. We'll, we'll go to Charlie on this one. Um, maybe let's just talk about what this defensive unit would be without a player like that. Just an absolute difference maker. Multiple clear clearances or uh, 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 important clearances. I think about that one ball that came over the top that it looked like the on-term player was on in the near side. I think that was in the first half where uh, Alistair sort of flicked it away. Considering his chat on beyond the pitch too, Charlie, you know, what do you really make of this player at this point of being a crucial part for this Canadian back line? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it, how quickly he's become, you know, one of the more critical players to this team. And I think if you don't have Alistair Johnson there last night, then you might be talking about a loss because they're, especially in that second half, maybe the last 25 minutes or so of that game, Canada obviously were pressing and, and looking for that goal, but they gave the ball away a lot and they were, they were kind of pinned back on the counterattacks a few times and it always seemed to be Alistair Johnston that was there, right? Mm-hmm. To, to maybe break things up and, a couple of those tackles he made were just, you know, extremely brave as, you know, one of the, like either the last man or one of two men back on the counterattack, and he would still throw himself into these sliding tackles, which, you know, if you miss, then it's, it's like a two on O for Honduras, <laughs> but uh, he would make them. And he's, he's a very intelligent player. So he's not going to throw himself into those things just blindly. Right. So I really think that, that he was a very, very important part of this Canada team last night and and even with the ball in possession he he was very good and i i know he kind of started in that right back role so he was a little bit further over to the to the edge than than maybe uh he has been in recent games for canada and he was looking to to get a little bit higher up the pitch but you know once they once they moved into the back three he really was you know sort of patrolling the whole the whole area behind the behind the team and 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 it really really worked out for canada and you know, Alistair Johnson is just a fantastic player on and off the ball. He obviously, as I said, he made those tackles, but you know, he would get the ball from, he'd be quite often the primary option for Milan Borian to pass to, and he would be able to, to pick somebody out with those passes. You know, he would try to, to find uh, often, often junior Hoylet down that right side with those passes, or he'd switch it back across and, you know, I'd, I, I could talk about Alistair Johnston and how great he is forever, but <laughs> it, it it really is remarkable just how quickly he's become, you know, one of one of the most likable players, I think, on, on this team, just of in terms of the the work ethic and the way that he just really, really wants to get stuck into all of these all of these opportunities in the game. If you haven't heard the Beyond the Pitch interview, please scroll up your feed and check that out. It was incredible. Him talking about, you know, not going to sleepovers as a kid because, like, you got to wake <laughs> up at 7 and watch United. So, no. 
screw you. I'm not going to your house. I'm going to watch Stalker <laughs> the next morning. Okay, uh, quickly, uh, Valen Borian, great save there late in the second half. Got to shout that out. Also, Kyle Laird with that goal and now joint uh, second all-time uh, in the Canada's uh, goal-scoring record behind uh, Dwayne DiRosario. Uh, maybe, Ben, just a quick two thoughts on on these two players. You know, it, it was it was interesting on a night where Alfonso Davies makes a big, you know, return to Canada. Same with Atiba Hutchison at this point, frankly. But it were those sort of those players that, you know, Laird obviously – in the shadows of Jonathan David and Davies to a certain extent. And Milan Borea has obviously been around for a while, but these players that, you know, have just been here with this Canadian men's national team for so long and, and have really been uh, sturdy operators at, at this point. Yeah. I think those are the kind of the, the glue guys, if you will, if you just sort of bring the whole team from, from good to great, I think like you have, you have the, the big stars on either end of the pitch, but then you need the guys who, who have the experience and, and the skills to sort of round everything into shape and, I think those, those guys are Kyle Laren and, and Milan Borian and and Borian in particular. I thought it was really good. Just all you, you when you're in the South End, I guess you can really hear the communication and and sort of see it more up close what what he does behind the scenes. And you, you tell like they, they really listen to him and, and they really sort of uh, a lot a lot of the play goes through him, even if he doesn't necessarily have the ball. And then Kyle Laren, of course, is you said second all time now in goals. I think tied for second and yeah. and uh, yeah, he's been one of the main pieces of this team for for a long time now. And uh, imagine. That'll only continue to be the case. Borean just kept pumping up the crowd last night. He couldn't not. I'm not sure it was like uh, on, it kept catching on broadcast. Like, there's nothing going on. He's like, let's go. <laughs> I'm not sure, Charlie Ben, if you guys saw that, but he was just going to town trying yeah, to you get could, the crowd. You could, you could tell, you know, you could tell that Borean was kind of driving this, this driving force, trying to push him for the win. You know, every time the ball went out behind him, he'd absolutely be sprinting to go get another ball to play it. To, to take the goal kick and he'd be like waving the whole way it was oh, he he was an energy guy i think there was one there was one player where honduras were on a counter-attack and the ball was about to land just outside the penalty area but he just comes and dives at it with his head yes I'm like oh. milan borean rocks man he's the best yeah. oh he does that's <laughs> he is just as well. the best that tattoo uh, the, the canada soccer tattoo is amazing as well we all <laughs> gotta get awesome. those switching to the states on sunday we'll go around the table for this one what's one thing you want carried over from the game that we saw on thursday and one new thing that we want from herdman or from the team benedict we'll start with you one thing i don't carry it over is the intensity i think they everyone sort of really wanted the points there and, and really pushed for everything and our every second phase as well like everyone was always going for the ball and i want to see that continued and one new thing, I think, is just personnel. Like, just rotate the squad a bit. Get Mark Anthony K in there, Jonathan Osorio, and see what these guys can do against the top team in Concacaf. Brady. Yeah, I think three three natural central midfield players is going to be really important, particularly on the road. And with regards to something to carry over, more Alistair Johnson just winning every 50-50. They were like ninety-five-five. <laughs> they were even fifty-one. 50-50 would imply he lost half of them, and that was not the case. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he talked about how he played as a six growing up, and now he can kind of play as just like a different kind of six. And you can see that in, in the way that he plays. Charlie, what's one thing you want carried over? Uh, one new thing from Herbin and Co. One thing I want carried over is Stefan Estacchio. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, 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 like, he's got to play. Canada when, we, when Canada played them at the Gold Cup, I think – you were very, very, it, it was very clear that Stephanie Stachia was missing from that game. Uh, I think, I think he was suspended for that one with the, the yellow cards, which 
ridiculous. But anyway, um, yeah, you you need him in that game because the U.S. is a team with quite a good midfield. Uh, something I'd like to see different is just maybe a, a bit of a return to, if not basics, then just things that we know work. Like, stop trying to overthink things. Stop trying to, you know, pull out some weird curveball tactical shifts that, you know, try try to catch the U.S. by surprise. This is a talented Canada team. They mm-hmm. should just play. They should just play the way that they have done in the past, the way that's been successful for them in the past. You don't need to overthink it. And I think there was an element of overthinking it last night against Honduras. You just, you don't need to do that. We know how good this team is. Just play them. Just, just let them go. Brady, I saw you kind of nodding along to that. You have to be in agreement with that with that statement. Yeah, I just think, you know, you win 15 corners, I think it was, last night. You, you need an equalizer. Don't don't play short. Just just whip one in the box and, and hope somebody gets on the end of it. <laughs> Honestly, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's it's CONCACAF. Anything can happen. Just put one in the mixer. Well, we'll leave it at that. So Canada <laughs> taking on the U.S. at 7.30 Eastern time again Sunday night uh, on TSN. Check back uh, on the CPL Soccer on YouTube uh, as well as on Twitter, I believe. We're going to be doing a post-match sort of debrief with some of our friends at One Soccer. Be free to check into that live. It'll show up on your feeds after as well. We'll have lots to talk about, I'm sure, after that U.S. game because, as Brady said, it is CONCACAF. So, again. <laughs> It is switching to the CPL. <laughs> switching to the CPL quickly uh, to talk about some of the games at midweek. Uh, Cavalry FC one FC Edmonton nil. Charlie, you're our correspondent for this game. Uh, as we kind of just going to pick up on the conversation we had in the last episode, Edmonton just cannot catch a break in this tie. Uh, tons of pressure in this game, especially uh, in that second half, but they just can't break the Roman wall. Marco Carducci. Yeah, I you start to feel bad for Edmonton because that might have been like one of the best games they've played this year against a very good cavalry team. They were on the front foot, you know, the whole time. And Alan Koch sort of said before the game, because in the, the reverse fixture on Sunday, you know, cavalry's on the front foot the whole time and, and really probably should have finished a couple more chances and won that game. But Edmonton ends up with the point on a road, which is which is nothing to sniff at. It's a good thing, but they come back home. They want to be the protagonists, and for a lot of that game, they were. Uh, but they, it just doesn't happen for them. Marco Carducci was exceptional. He made, I think, seven saves in that game, and you know it was it was raining horrendously, and it was windy, and you know Alan Koch said it wasn't that bad. Um, Cavalry said it was bad. I don't. I, I wasn't there. I don't. No, for sure. Um, maybe you know. Maybe it's Edmonton not not looking for excuses there. But yeah, it's it's just got to be frustrating for that team to not be rewarded for a game like that because they had so many shots. They had really good chances. Um, they definitely took away a lot of the space that they gave Cavalry on on the Sunday. Um, and and they they would win the ball in those areas. They would they would have a lot of those opportunities around the box, and it just the ball didn't go in the net. Not even once. No, and, well, no. Sorry, go ahead, Charlie. No, no. I, that, that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, you've you've got to be quite frustrated with that if you're Edmonton, and and you could tell by the way everybody was speaking, especially especially Alan Koch after the game. They were frustrated because they really, really 
thought that was the that was the one. And we can talk quite a bit about cavalry and we have on the show, but just quickly on Edmonton, Benedict, maybe we'll flip it to you here. This attacking unit of this team, you know, they scored two goals against cavalry. Yeah, the one was was a penalty uh, on the weekend, but they come out of this game and they also look impressive. You know, they, they challenge Carducci against seven saves, that double save at the end. One of them should have went in for sure. Like, and some of these new players that Edmonton's brought in and Alec Cox, like it really doesn't look that bad for this team. It's just, you know, the results, as Koch says, you know, let's put them at the bottom of the table, even though we we haven't looked like that for at least 90 minutes uh, on Wednesday. Benedict. Sorry, I missed into your question there, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying, like, this team this team does look like not bad going forward at times, right? It's It just is is maybe just a bit frustrating for this, this Edmonton team at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I think they they just need to maybe finish some more of the chances. I think they're they're definitely seem to be getting in the right areas. And then obviously up top, they're the the Eddie Krugers as we like to call them. And when, when those guys get chances in the box, you know they can you know they can finish chances when they get them. But uh, it's just when they come up against a good defense, it's it's kind of hard to <laughs> take take those chances. And as, yeah. as we sort of said, the Calvary has a amazing defense, and uh, just Edmonton just didn't get the chances in the box maybe that they they needed to be able to put them away. And then Karifa Yao and Marco Carducci, really the stars of this game for, for Cavalry, even though Anthony Novak got the goal. Charlie, um, I think you picked Marco Carducci for your for your player of the match, but it really could have gone to Yao as well, right? It, it was an incredible performance by those two specifically. Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I had Karifa Yao's name written down in in the, the story I was writing, and then Marco Carducci makes that double save at the end. I'm like, okay, I... I think it's probably going to have to be him. It always it always takes something a little special to give man of the match to a goalkeeper, unless they you know unless they like save a penalty or something like that. But uh, it it really it had to it had to go to him in the end. But yeah, Karifa Yao, I think he led Calvary in maybe every stat in this in this game. You know, touches, passes, tackles, clearances, interceptions, everything. And I'm not even kidding. Um, it this was a game where Calvary. I mean, they, they always try to play out of the back, right? They always try to do that. And, and usually when you've got Dan Klomp and David Norman Jr. on the pitch as well, it's, it's able to be spread out a little bit more. Mason Trafford was Yao's center back partner in a, a two-man two -man central defense in this game. And, and Mason Trafford's a very good player and a very good defender. He's absolutely incredible at, at closing down spaces and making those tackles. Maybe not as mobile. I think it's probably fair to say, as a David Norman or a Dan Klomp, he can't necessarily cover that ground anymore in this stage of his career. And I don't think, I don't think that's a knock on Mason Trafford. He's a very experienced player, but yeah, certainly, certainly Edmonton felt that they could maybe get on him a little bit, and they tried to press him. I think Easton Ongaro especially covered a lot of ground, trying to, you know, get get up in Mason Trafford's you know space when he had the ball. So Cavalry ended up being a little bit, a little bit lopsided to that, that space on with Karifa Yao on the right. Um, and, you know, all, most of Edmonton's chances came over on that other side as well. But yeah, Karifa Yao, whenever they did play through him, it was very stable, very calm. And, and, you know, it was usually able to, to turn into something that they were able to play out on the right side with, with Mo Farsi or Richard Luca or something like that. And and just Karifa Yao was kind of 
the crux of it all. He's he's a very very talented player, and and sometimes we forget about him a little bit because of how impressive Dan Klomp or or David Norman are at the back. But Karifa Yao is is right up there with them. He's a very very impressive player. Cavalry again continue to to get results. They'll be taking on Valor FC on Saturday, heading over to Winnipeg FC Edmonton. Meanwhile, we're hosting Pacific on Saturday night in the come on match of the week. Quickly, let's talk about York United and Atletico Ottawa. A 2-2 tie, an entertaining game. Benedict, you are a correspondent on this one. Uh, we'll start with York. Disappointed not to get the result, considering that Malcolm Shaw uh, equalizer. But, you know, this team showed quite a bit of quality. You spoke specifically about their chemistry post-match, um, and you really saw it on the goals, right? Yeah, especially the first goal. I think uh, Nicholas Hamilton, back to, he'll hit the Max Ferrari. Uh, Max Ferrari knows exactly where it's going to go, and makes a nice turn and, and plays a perfect cross from the box. Mike Petrasso comes running in and finishes it off. And it just seemed like they had been practicing something like that and they knew where each other were going to be. And I think that comes with the time. And Jimmy Brennan spoke with after the game too. Like those things come after you play half a season together and, and now we're starting to see that. And I think maybe we're starting to talk about York as a potential playoff team, if they can start picking up points, but obviously dropping two points at the end, uh, kind of put a dent in that, but this team definitely has the quality, I think, to challenge for that fourth spot. Yeah, York now four points out of that fourth spot behind Valor with 15 games played each. Um, we should talk quickly about Max Ferrari because we're talking a little bit at midweek, just the, the four of us, about who would be you know, a potential uh, best under 21 player of the year and, and talking about all these sort of candidates. And like Max Ferrari is just an incredible player. Uh, Charlie, I know you're high on him specifically. Can you talk a bit about his emergence with this team and, and you know, starting from the versatility in Winnipeg to now his his role with this team? Yeah, Max Ferrari is just sick. He's such an electric player. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah. just such a such a fun player on the pitch. Like, and and he can slot into. He's played on the wing. He's played at right fullback occasionally, and he's he's a very versatile player that can fit into these roles. But you know, when he when he is let off the hook a little bit, he's allowed to to run and and you know play with the ball. He's just again an electric player. He's a player that you know you need to watch, and I think he's really starting to to take on this this role of being one of the top players on his York team. He's kind of becoming in in many ways he's becoming the face of it, and I think that's a really fun thing for a young player. And you know, yeah, I think I think if we were if we were giving out awards like the the young player of the war, of the year award right now i think max ferrari is at the very very least in the in the top 3 and you know for me i think he probably has been the best under under 21 player in the league this year he's just i i can't say enough about how fun it's been to to watch his development and his growth into the side and you know it, it it's just really it also helps that he's got probably the coolest name in the league okay <laughs> yeah we went went pretty far without mentioning his name that was not bad We'll give you credit for that. Max Ferrari. Like, come on. That's an awesome name, man. <laughs> it, it really is. And uh, Humber Hawks legend as well. <laughs> I always Absolutely. want to talk about your Humber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and signed a new uh, long-term deal at Europe. We should mention that as well. Uh, quickly, on Ottawa, before we go, um, Malcolm Shaw. Just getting these goals. This is six on the season. I was second behind John Morelli in the golden boot race. Uh uh, Benedict, I know you talked to Ottawa after the game about just like how clutch they've been at home specifically. They haven't lost yet, considering their bottom of the table. It's impressive that you know they continue to get these results at, at TD Place. 
Yeah, after the game, uh, Ben McKendry spoke a lot about the fans of helping them, sort of with Canada, I guess, too. The fans keep kind of sort of willing them on and and pushing for them to help uh, score a goal. And, and Malcolm Shaw keeps coming up with big late goals. And uh, he's also playing out of position, Malcolm Shaw, playing on sort of like that left wing kind of Ryan Telfer role as, as he was suspended and didn't look out of place, I don't think. And, and, and Mista sort of said like he had a lot of responsibility in that game and he stepped up and, and came up with another huge late goal. Yeah. Who's been who's been the MVP for for Ottawa so far? If it's not Malcolm Shaw, right? Just been that that impressive. And they got the result without Ryan Telfer. We should mention he's he's, he's now serving his suspension for for what we mentioned uh, what we mentioned last week. Okay, I think that just about wraps it up. We'll we'll finish off by teeing up some of the games this weekend. We mentioned Valor versus Calvary, FC Edmonton versus Pacific tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, Halifax taking on Forge. Uh, in the opening game of their Labor Day weekend because they'll play again on Labor Day Monday, hosting York. Okay, we'll be back uh, again, as we mentioned, on Sunday to recap uh, Canada versus the U.S. That'll be live on our YouTube channel uh, and Twitter. Feel, feel free to, to check that out. And also, if you're, if you're so inclined to check it out on your feed after, we'll be back also to recap uh, CPL action later this week. Okay, until then, take care.